This is the TSG Multimedia Podcast for November of 2022. We're sponsored this month by the TSG Train Crew on Patreon. Thank you very much. I'm John, your host, and to my knowledge, this is the longest continuously running train-related podcast out there. We've been coming to you every single month since January of 2010. So that's a lot of programs, folks. Anyway, uh, you might notice that things look a little bit different here if you're watching this on YouTube. I know a lot of people listen to this podcast on Podomatic and Apple Music and all those other places that you expect to find it, Google Play, whatever. If you're watching on YouTube, yes, it looks different. And the reason why is because I have a big project that I'm right in the middle of and I don't have space in my small office here to put up the green screen and do this the way we usually do it. So this is a look, it's a little different, it's actually a little more expedient, but the end result is we're going to catch you up to date on all the stuff that's been going on here. We have some railroad related news as always, and something else that's really cool that happened on the channel recently. I'll be talking about that later. So let's get straight to it. Hello, we're doing something this weekend. This is actually the uh, Friday before last month's podcast, so the podcast in October, came out. And it's sometime in the early afternoon. I didn't check the time, but we are at a place called Jamestown. And in Jamestown, there's a place called Railtown 1897, which is the shirt I'm wearing. We're standing in front of the Railtown 1897 roundhouse. And if you look, you can see the number 28 and the number three in their stalls. And then over my left shoulder here, there's a Baldwin diesel locomotive. And to the right, there's an old Shea. This is a massive three truck Shea that belonged to the Pickering Lumber Corporation. It's number seven. They have it on static display here. And this is one of those places where, well, it's a state park and you can come here, you can ride the train, you can see the inside of their shop where there's all kinds of very interesting equipment. And we just stopped in here on our way up to Sonora, which is just another three or four miles up the road, because this weekend they're having the West Side Reunion and the Sierra Seminar at the Senior Center in Sonora. That's what we're really traveling up here for. But we stopped in at Railtown because anytime we have a chance to, it's worth doing. So if you're ever in the area, you should check out Railtown 1897 also. I'm standing inside the old blacksmith shop at Railtown 1897. There's a lot of really cool artifacts and relics in this building and at this park. And as a matter of fact, if you were to watch the video that I did with Dave Connery about the Sierra number 28, this was one of the annual steam specials four years ago, something like that. Just search for Sierra 28 on this channel and you'll find it. We did an interview with Dave right in here. One of the other really cool things about Railtown 1897 is this is home to Sierra number three, which has starred in dozens of movies and television shows. And if you can see behind me here, there's a whole wall that's a timeline of all the shows that the Sierra number three has been in. And it's a lot. I'm not even sure that this wall is complete with every single show it's been in. But if you look at it briefly, you'll see a lot. And on the other side of this wall, there are all the different smokestacks that were installed on the locomotive temporarily to have it look the way they wanted it to look for the different shows that it's been in. Hi, this is day two in Sonora, or I guess day one, first full day. We're going to the West Side Reunion today, where we're going to work on making a video about the West Side Reunion as an event so that people next year when the event happens, I think it's going to be in April, they'll know what it's about and they're going to want to come to this, I'm sure. It's the first time that I've ever been to the West Side Reunion as an event. I've heard about it for the past few years and I've been to the Sierra Seminar, which is already highly recommended by me. And uh, I'm looking forward to this because I've heard only the best things about West Side Reunion, and it'll be the first time I've experienced it. So let's go have some fun and learn something cool. 
So this is the, what I'm gonna call the vendor room. And as you can see, it's very well attended. And this event has barely started. I mean, it's like only nine something right now. And there's a raffle. This is the raffle table. A lot of stuff being raffled off. These are tables on the other side of the room for auctions. Quite a bunch of stuff. This is the room that's set up for the presentations. Here's a display by Patrick Michael Carnahan. He does these oil paintings and they're really good. So this is the end of the first day of this two-day event. This was the West Side Reunion. Tomorrow's the Sierra Seminar. This was great. We actually got to meet some people that I had only known online and met some other new friends as well. There were also some very cool clinics. So that was also awesome. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the Sierra seminar holds for us tomorrow. So that's it for today. Signing off. So I realized I signed off earlier from the venue where the West Side reunion was held. But we're doing something that's also part of this event, which is there are open houses of layouts here. And I'm standing in John Zock's 1955 or Sierra 1955 layout. And I stopped here for just a minute because I wanted to point this out. I stood over here the other day in front of this roundhouse talking to you about Railtown 1897 because this is a pretty dead-on model of that area in Jamestown. And if you look at it, you can see that's pretty spot on, isn't it? So John's layout has actually been featured on the channel a number of years ago. We did a full layout tour here and he's done a lot of work on the layout since then. So, and he sounded pretty excited to share the, the progress that he's made. So we decided to come up here and take a look at it before we, you know, go back and turn in. So I wanted to just share this with you because it should look familiar to you from where I was the other day. Hi, we're doing something today. If you look behind me, you can see there's a presentation being presented in the presentation room at the Sierra Seminar. So this ought to be fun. We're going to see a lot of old friends and meet some new friends today. So this is the room where they're doing the, I guess, sharing stuff. It's not like the West Side reunion that we had yesterday where this was vendors that were selling stuff. I mean, people can sell stuff here if they want to, but that's not really what it's about. Uh, but you can tell from the lack of people in this room just how well attended the presentation is. It's about noon. They're just feeding us some pizza right now. And you never know who you're going to run into, but I thought I was going to run into this person because I've seen him here every time I've been here for the, you know, the past three or four times that it has happened. This is Garrett Franklin. You saw him on the Great Western Steam Up video recently, and he's here again. What have you been up to, Garrett? Well, been working out at Fort Bragg and California Western Railroad with Stockton Pappas, the new general manager. We've been doing lots of great work, um, rebuilding the engine house and all the other projects there, uh, which is consequently owned by CR Railroad Company, which is our parent company, which is the same company that started the railroad in Oakdale in 1897. So the Sierra has been a big part of my life, having family members that have worked there um, in the past, and then part of my state parks and historical railroad background, and with California Western Wisconsin. So at, close to every point in my career and life, it's been involved with the Sierra somehow. So it's kind of fitting that I'm here, learning more about it, and keep on carrying that through. Sure. And the other cool thing I would point out is he's a young person in the industry. And people talk about how we need more young people in the industry. Here's one of them. I think it's really cool. Unless you're going to learn from Stoffy up there with him. It's really cool. And pushing it forward, the whole thing. This is an example of you do know who you're going to run into. This is Patrick Carnahan. And I met him, I think, the first time about four years ago or something like that. And you know his name if you've been paying attention and if you watch the channel because he's one of the, I guess, founding board members of the Tuolumne 
Historical Railroad Association, the THRA, you might remember we had the other four, four, four of the other board members, Glenn, John, Kyle, and Larry, on the Talking Trains Live program like a month and a half ago. And, uh, you know, I, I think, Patrick, this is one of the most talented artists that I know. And what I remember, don't blush. It's because you don't know a lot of artists, probably. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because this is what I remembered originally. And our top secret producer actually uh, secretly gave me a, I think it was autographed, by the way, calendar that she ordered from this from this gentleman last year that's been hanging on my wall in my office. So, I don't know. I mean, Patrick, why don't you talk about your art or something? You, yeah. There's so well, much they, we could talk well, about. Well, that's okay. Your calendar was last year's calendar, which featured the 28, which uh, was the anniversary of the 28. That's why I put it on the cover. But... Uh, I've been oil painting uh, pictures of trains ever since I was about, I don't know, 14 years old or so. I like to always show paintings. This is a painting I did when I was 14 years old right here. It's a 14-year-old project here. At 14, and then this is me at 63. <laughs> There's a little difference. So yeah. This is my latest painting. Actually, it's in the new calendar. It's a, a painting I did of the Sear 24, which uh, brings me to our relationship with the Tuolumne County Railroad Historical Society. Um, I was asked to be a member by Larry Jensen and John Zag. Um, I used to work for Sear Railroad for 10 years uh, when they kicked off the dinner train operation out of Oakdale. They hired me as a marketing and uh, special events coordinator, and I worked with Mike Hart in the very early days. Uh, getting the passenger service up, and uh, as well as I worked at Railtown before. I was one of the first uh, uh, seasonal employees there uh, working on the facility at Railtown. Uh, of course, I have a strong love of railroading, and uh, I've been involved with uh, locomotives and trains ever since my father got me interested as a little boy. My dad used to take me around to some of these railroads when they were still actually operating steam trains in revenue service. So uh, I have a, a big background, a big interest in trains, uh, but I'm also interested in a lot of other subject matter. But uh, but I think probably railroading is my most favorite thing. Uh, this is a, a brand new um, painting that's featured on a well-known international magazine. And it features our own local Sierra Railroad, which I just showed you the original. So it kind of spreads the uh, knowledge of this railroad to everyone. My current calendar uh, features the Pickard Lumber Company, which is one of the railroads that operated off the Sierra Railroad line uh, back around 1903, that period. And they operated a line all the way from Stanford, California, uh, back into the woods, almost 100 miles of track. And uh, this bridge right here is no longer there. And this is located down by Beardsley Reservoir, which is in the Stanislaus National Forest. And they built these logging railroad lines, uh, two main railroads, the Pickering as well as the West Side, to bring the logs in from the forest and they would bring them to the sawmill. There they'd kind of cut it up to finished product. Then they would haul it on the Sierra Railroad uh, down to interchange with the Santa Fe and Union Pacific. So logging railroads, very important part of our Tuolumne County. And uh, that's another reason why I belong to this organization. We're trying to preserve that history because uh, it's so important. In case you couldn't tell, there's a lot of depth here. And I'm hoping, I, we had a great conversation yesterday during the uh, West Side reunion, and I'm hoping to bring Patrick on as a guest on a future episode of Talking Trains. So we'll have to talk about that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And make some arrangements, maybe later this year. We'll see, but thank you, thank you much hey, no for sharing. Problem. You want to talk trains, you came to the right place, young man. Hi, this is another example of you, you'll run into someone that you expect to run into, probably. This is Tom Tomasello, and Tom's a regular operator at Dave Lovelace's layout, which I come to you quite frequently from on the podcast, and also at Ray Turner's Mystic Mountain. That's that big garden scale layout up on the side of the mountain that he runs operations on. Tell people about the Sierra Seminar, because I've, I've seen you here twice before. Oh, I've been down. I think that's where we first met originally. Yeah, we did. We originally met here. What do you like so much about the seminar? Well, I fell in love with the Sierra Railroad years ago. I'll never forget the time my father first took me here. They were filming Back to the Future, uh, part three at the time. And uh, I was walking around outside the, uh, the freight house there uh, in Jamestown, and a couple of crew members from the camera crew 
came up and actually mistook me for about two minutes for uh, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Michael J. Fox. Yeah, no, not, not quite Michael J. Because I had the beard, you know. Yeah. But, uh, so that's that's my near claim to fame with Back to the Future and the Sierra Railroad. So now you've been coming back to the Sierra seminar ever since, hoping someone else will mistake you for Steven Spielberg? Sure, why not? <laughs> No, I've always liked, I've always had a fascination for short line railroads. Um, I model a narrow gauge short line railroad, but uh, I've always, you know, Sierra's always been uh, a love of mine. And uh, I just enjoy the camaraderie here and seeing all this cool stuff. I want to plug his layout for just a second. We were on our way back from Dave Loveless's one time, and he gave me, uh, Tom gave me a chance to see his layout, and it's really a nicely done layout. Now, I understand you've been working on it a fair amount, too, more lately, haven't you? Oh, uh, yeah. I've been putting in a lot of time lately. Someone, uh, I don't remember who it was now, said that you even did a test-op session. Is that right? I've done two test-op sessions oh. today. Had car cards printed up, and I had the crew over, and uh, shook them down for information, and goods and bads and all that and uh, it's been fascinating so this thing's getting pretty close to operating maybe someday we'll have a podcast segment from Tom's layout and you can see what I'm talking about so this is another example of you don't know who you're gonna run into so I found out yesterday when I was attending here at the West Side reunion that this guy standing next to me was going to be here today. And I got very excited because he actually uh, has one of my favorite layouts. This is Steve Redeker. And if you haven't seen, yeah, if you haven't seen the layout tour video, it's the Hetch Hetchy in black and white with Steve Redeker. And Steve, you brought something that looks just like your layout. <laughs> what is this and why did you bring this? Well, this is a diorama of one of the corners of my lab. Uh, it, it's the Mather Station on the Hetch Hetchy Railroad up near Yosemite National Park. And, and the flyer for this get-together said to bring a model. So I was going to bring my little Mather Station here. And I says, well, I'm not going to bring the station, just the station. I'll bring a diorama and make it look like the layout. So this looks just like the layout. The layout has big black and white pictures behind it. Four times as big as it's great big. And in front of each picture is what's in the, the layout and what's in the picture. So here you have the Mather station and here's the station down here and here are the rail cars and here's a rail car here's a young lady drinking out of a water fountain and here's a young lady drinking out of a water fountain so this is a replica of the layout and here is a picture of the station on the layout here's Mather station here and here's the the next part over on my layout which is the sawmill and so this is the sawmill, Mather Station. This is a picture of the black and white layout, but this is a diorama that pretty well reflects what is in the uh, the layout. Now, and the whole layout is black and white, except for the people, because when I took a pic, someone takes a picture of it, I didn't want it to be all black and white because they would just think all I did was go in and click and convert color to black and white. Sure, desaturate the color in. And it really does look like this. Uh, this is something that I thought was really nice. I don't think Steve knew we were going to be here either. No, I, di I didn't know he was going to be here. And look what he made for this. That's how you can see the video. <laughs> now, I want to talk to you about your science fair project. Let's go over there for okay. a second. So Steve also brought this science fair. Pro I'm calling it a science fair project because I haven't seen anything like this since yeah, I was well, in school. Like we're in your school. Hey, mom, my science fair project's due tomorrow. Help! Right, exactly. That's what this is. So what does this all? Oh, this is the the peach grove. Oh, you were talking about this yesterday when we were talking off camera. On on my layout, there's a little railroad near the Hetch Hetchy called the Peach Growers Railroad. It was a logging railroad, and I got interested in trying to find where was the sawmill on the peach growers. And I was looking all around, and I was looking at, you know, these pictures you can get uh, on 
uh, Google Maps. You can look at the pictures. Okay. And I, I couldn't, I had an idea of where it was. And doing some research, I found where they said it, approximate location. But I couldn't find it at all on the pictures. It was just obscured by the trees. And then a friend said, LIDAR. I said, what's that? It's a laser thing that they use fly over with airplanes, and it penetrates through the, the foliage, and it gives you a picture of the ground elevation. Yeah, After the rim fire, they did a, a very extensive yeah. LIDAR all around Hachetchen. So I went in and I got online, and you, you can get the website for it, and I got a LIDAR printout of the same area where I thought the, the sawmill was, and holy, there's a flat spot. There is the mill pond. So you can't see it in the picture. Here's the mill pond. There are railroad right-of-ways here. There's one coming around here. There's one that goes right past the sawmill site, which is where they dump them, right? Yeah. So I used LIDAR to find the right-of-ways and where the railroad, uh, where the sawmill was. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, I was up there with my brother-in-law. We were hiking around here, and sure enough, right near here, uh, the old foundations from the sawmill, right where the LIDAR said they would be. So if someone is looking for right-of-ways, if there is LIDAR in the area they're looking, I would recommend that to try to find it. It really works. So it's a research tip. It's a research tool. Brought to you by the president of the Steve Redeker Fan Club and Steve Redeker himself. <laughs> they have all been about the prototype, but now we're to the modeling section. But wait, we're still going to be talking about the prototype because I am very much a prototype modeler. All right, so the Sierra seminar is now over and we're headed home. It was a great event. Uh, they did a wonderful job putting it together with some excellent presentations. And I guess that's it for now. Signing off. I am doing something today. I have a project that I've been working on. It's the installation of a Blue Nami soundtracks decoder into this locomotive. And I have all the installation video all shot and it works now. It's all ready to go. And always on videos like this, very similar to the one I did last month about LocoFi. I don't know if you got to see that. If you didn't, you should check it out. I did the installation process, showed you how to do some things with it. And then I took it to a layout and ran it. Well, that's what I want to do with this locomotive. And Seth has a layout. It's a very nice layout. It's one of my favorite layouts that I haven't operated on yet, as in an op session. And anyway, I called him up this morning and he agreed that I could bring it over and we're going to run it on his layout. And he had some stuff that he heard at the National Train Show or the National NMRA Train Convention that was kind of weird and I'm going to take this over to his house and do those shots for the video, but we're also going to do a little test of something and I'll have him explain that to you on the podcast here today. So I'm going to head over there now and we'll be back when we get to Seth's place. I'm, and I'm the guy. You're the guy. Yeah. The man. And we have the locomotive on the layout now and he just found that he has the app on his phone and he's running the locomotive around. It's quite easy to operate, isn't it? It, it, uh... Yeah, if it ever comes back, it'll be wonderful. It'll, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be here in a minute. So one of the things that I wanted to do here was, Seth has an NCE system on his layout that he uses for DCC. And the cool thing about this Blue Nami is that you don't have to have a DCC system necessarily. You just have to have the power coming in either from the track or from a battery or whatever. And the decoder is such that it'll take your commands from your phone and put them through to the locomotive over a Bluetooth signal. Or if you have a DCC system like Seth has, you don't have to use the Blue Nami app. You can just use a regular throttle like what he has here. So we're gonna control it with a regular throttle and we're gonna control it with the Blue Nami app. And this is all just, you know, for the podcast, but I'm gonna take my scenic run-by shots here for the 
Bluenami install video that I'm also working on currently. That's what I was talking about earlier. So let's get those uh, throttles up and see if we can demonstrate that real quick. So here he is, happily operating his locomotive with his phone. Are you happy? Happy, very you look, happy. You look very happy. I am happy because model railroading is fun. Yes, it makes us happy. Something I would like to do is replace the bulbs with LEDs, but the scope of the project that I'm currently working on didn't include that. I was just trying to install the yeah, I was just trying to install the decoder for now. But as you can see, it's working fine. Seth is using the the phone app, right, to do this. You know, the, the impression I have is this is wonderful on several levels. Um, as an owner, uh, you may have guests come by with locomotives uh, that you'd like to run for a special session or whatever. I know different people have different philosophies on that. But if they do and they bring their uh, Bluetooth uh, Blue Nami app, they can run it directly with Blue Nami. No worry about uh, address conflicts or anything like that. Or you can run it with uh, uh, standard DCC. So again, really all you need to worry about here is that there is no other four-digit address locomotive on the same address on the lab at the same time, which is no different than, you know, anything we've been dealing with since, what, 1994 when we first had DCC. Right. So that's wonderful. The, the real place where this starts to break down is uh, primarily in exhibitions, where you have a lot of layouts and everybody's got their radio system and there's a limited number of channels and they're interfering with one another. So enter Bluetooth. Bluetooth is wonderful because Bluetooth was designed, you know, for commercial uh, cell phone use. And the concern you had there is, well, what if it's five o'clock and it's hub time at O'Hare and there's a hundred thousand people in the airport, each of them running Bluetooth. And you want to have those people all be able to use their phones and their, their, uh, earbuds and so forth without interfering with one another. So what this means is I can go into the biggest train show I can imagine, you know, Amherst, Trainfest, and set up my modules and lock onto my locomotive and I don't have to worry about what my neighbor over at the next group is doing. And then you still have DCC compatibility so you can take it to your home layout or over to your friends if you know he's amenable to that and run around on DCC. And then you have choice of throttle or phone, uh, whatever you like. And there's a tremendous uh, amount of flexibility we never had before. Hey, we just found out something interesting. When I went from the phone to try to switch the locomotive to this, we had to cycle the power. But when we went from this back to the phone app, we didn't have to cycle the power. That was kind of strange, but it's something to know. And I don't know how that happens or why that happens, but it's just new information. But still, having fun here, playing with the train. I'm gonna take some video shots for my installation video of the Blue Nami, and then we'll be done here. All right, so just back from Seth's place, got home a little while ago, and I'm transferring the footage that we took of the engine running into my computer. And of course, the podcast segments that you just watched, I think it's a really cool product, this Blue Nami decoder, and their app works really well. The best part about it, I think, is that you can change all your CVs right there in your phone. And it's easier than having to, you know, put it on a test track, open up JMRI and Decoder Pro and all that stuff. It's a lot quicker and easier just to switch things on your phone. And some of the stuff that you change in the app changes right on the spot. Like, for example, I changed the volume of the speakers in the app and it was real time. As soon as I changed the volume, it went down because uh, it was kind of loud. So... 
But anyway, a great little excursion over to Seth's. A nice excuse, really, to hang out for a couple hours with a friend. And that's it for today. Signing off. To give you an idea of how excited I am about the Blue Nami, uh, what a cool decoder. I actually edited and released the video about its installation shortly after producing this podcast segment that you just watched. So if you missed that, take a look at the link that just popped up on the top right corner of your screen, if you're on a computer, and check it out. I mean, I think that the Blue Nami could change the way we DCC. Hi, we're doing something today. We're going to California's Central Coast. That's what we call it. Where the California Central Coast Railroad Festival, I think is what they call it, is happening. So we're going to go down, see a bunch of layouts, check out one thing I'm really looking forward to is checking out a place called Norgrove, seeing some friends and just should be good. And one other thing that we're interested in sort of doing on this trip is making some contacts at the layouts so that I know some of them want to do layout tour videos and that would be something that I'm also interested in. So going to be gone for a couple days. I'll be back on with plenty of updates, I'm sure. And yeah, let's go have some fun. So hi, I'm here with our friend and train crew member, Paul Deese. Paul lives in Paso Robles and uh, he's going to be a, a tour guide for us for the Central Coast Railroad Festival. So should be fun. Paul, what do you have in mind for this? Well, this uh, Central Coast Railroad Festival is going on for about a decade now. And uh, it's a lot of people sharing their railroads throughout San Luis Obispo County um, and prototype railroads, ah. mostly layouts. And we're here to visit our first layout with George Gibson. Okay. So we're going to be doing some podcast segments now and again. I'm also working on an official video of the Central Coast Railroad Festival that'll be coming up on the channel sometime soon. And this gentleman next to me is going to be your host for that. So we're going to have some fun here. George has both standard gauge and narrow gauge, like this little Rio Grande Southern. And one of the cool things about his layout is that he has some very fleshed out urban scenes. And you can tell that he likes to super detail structures, interior and exterior. So I'm outside of a business here in Atascadero called Central Coast Trains. And I just got to meet Anita. And Anita at Central Coast Trains is someone that I've heard about because last year when we did the Sugar Pine Centennial, which was the PCR convention, which was a completely virtual event that was put on for free, Anita donated some gift certificates as, I guess, door prize type things that they gave away. And everybody in the daylight division of the PCR loves Anita. And having just met her, I understand why. So we finished up on our open houses, kind of, with a guy named Bill Obermeyer. And Bill had a really cool layout that was Southern Pacific. I think he said he also does some Santa Fe. I think it was more of a circular type layout, but it looked like it could have been made to do op sessions, which is pretty cool. And one other thing, he had very interesting backdrops. They were all photographic and looked really good. We're finishing our open houses today back at Paul's place where he's open. And we're going to help him run trains, keep trains running for his open house. So we're both helping with keeping trains running during the open house. And we've had a few customers already. Nice people showing up. And so I'm running my second train right now. I took one from the bottom of the layout to the top, and now I'm taking one from the top to the bottom, and Paul has a list over there of which ones to take. So it's, he's keeping it real easy. This was my first COVID project, building Center Creek Trestle. Oh. That's kit out of a couple of different kits and parts.
Well, good morning. We're doing something today, uh, still in Paso Robles, and we're going to go see some more layouts today as part of the part of this Central Coast Railroad Festival. And we're here with our tour guide, Paul. Paul, what do you have in mind for us to go look at today? Well, we're going to start out at Mark Edwards' layout, which is a really wonderful outdoor garden railroad. Oh, cool. Uh, nicely scenic, and uh, I haven't seen it in a couple of years, so it'd be nice to see what he's added to it. That'll be our start. Then we're okay. going to join the um, NMRA Daylight Division for lunch mm. at a local restaurant in Tascadero. Yeah. And then we're going to head down to the Railroad Museum in San Luis. Oh. And we'll see how much time we have left at the end of that. But it should be a fun day. Yeah. Sounds like fun. It's a really cool layout. It's kind of big and they have a very interesting approach and i realized when i was looking at this just by the way it looks that there was some disney influence and uh, yeah this might be a good layout to come back someday and do a video about this is a little sort of shed that's connected to the track you can see back there where the trains go out it's a great way to store your outside trains in a secure place. It keeps them out of the elements. You can lock it. It's very cool. This is a really good setup for a garden railroad. We came to the uh, San Luis Obispo uh, Railroad Museum. And you may recognize behind me, this is a familiar scene from a lot of people's pictures. There's a pedestrian bridge, a curve, and there's a surf liner sitting here. So. We're actually gonna go inside, look at the layout here. And one of the things are, that we're trying to do here is we're gonna meet someone and hopefully arrange to come back and do a layout tour in a couple of weeks. So that'll be one of the videos that's gonna come out sometime in the near future. Uh, should be good. I've heard nothing but good things about the museum here and I'm looking forward to seeing what we find out. Well, this is another really cool place. The museum has a lot of artifacts and the layout reflects a lot of local history, which is really good, especially for a museum. They also have little displays like this train simulator that these kids are having a great time with, and also a simulated train seat with a video screen that shows you the coastline. The next layout on our journey was by a guy named Ron Hamley. Just an N-scale layout, kind of an L-shaped layout. And I think it ran on DC and it was a circular layout. So it was a rail fanning layout and it had a lot of very interesting and intricate scenes. And especially for N scale, this was a really interesting layout to look at. We're wrapping up for the, uh, I guess, layout tours or open houses for today. We saw some very cool layouts. Uh, Paul's gonna be open again tonight. So I might do a little blurb from there later. But I wanted to mention the one we were just at. This is a guy named Anthony Harris who has two N-scale layouts and a Z-scale layout. They're all sort of independently separate from each other. And what was cool about it is that he doesn't use any turnouts and he just uses DC, which I think a lot of people would look at that and go, oh, it's not a real layout. But you know, you should have seen the smile on his face. This is a really cool, example of how you don't have to do things the same way as everybody else does to enjoy the hobby and have a lot of fun. Hi, this is our third and final day in this Central Coast area. We're going to uh, Anita, who owns the Central Coast train shop. She uh, has a layout at her place that we're going to look at because we're considering possibly making a video about it because I've heard it's a really nice layout. And then we're going to go to a place that I've heard about for probably two years now, maybe three, where they have two-foot gauge equipment, including World War One trench engine, which is something I've never seen before. And it's definitely something most people don't see every day. So I'm really looking forward to that for sure. And uh, yeah, we'll come on with any updates if something cool happens. So this layout was built by Anita's late husband, Carl, and the theme is Feather River Canyon. 
And I can tell you that it's a very spot-on replica of that line. This scene in Portola shows you where the Western Pacific Railroad Museum currently is now. Of course, in the scene, there's a depot there because this is representing an era in the past. Uh, it's just a really cool layout, and we have plans now to come back and do a video about it. So it should be interesting, should be fun, and I can't wait to share it because it, it's a very well done Feather River Canyon uh, layout. Hi, so we've arrived at this place called Nor Grove, and this is a place I mentioned earlier that I've been wanting to see and visit for a long time. They have the two-foot trench engines that I was talking about earlier, two-foot gauge. I've seen evidence of a railroad here already. When you drive in, there's a little station visible. I can see some track down to my right here. Uh, this is gonna be really cool and probably gonna see some people we know here. So we're wandering around here at Norgrove and wandered into the shop. And this is the shop behind me. Um, Boy, is it clean. I don't know if I've ever seen a shop this clean before. Uh, this is a really cool place. You can see just from the little shot I took out at the little engine out there. Uh, something you don't see every day. You know how much I like that. Hi, this is an example of you kind of know who you'll run into, but you don't know until you get there. This is Hayden Siebold. I've known him on Facebook for I don't even know how long. And I wanted to meet him in person because he's their, their head, I guess, machinist, right? Here yep. at Norgrove. And we're, we're standing in front of that trench engine I was talking about a minute ago. But this is an example of a young person in the industry. And if you don't mind, tell the viewers how you got into this. Because this is a dream job for a lot of people. What did you, because you're, how old are you? 25. 25 years old. Tell people how you got into this, because most people don't get their dream job until they're much older than 25. Sure. So, you know, as a kid, I loved trains growing up and, and had model trains all my life and learned how to fix them and whatnot. And I'd always drag my parents to take me to tourist railroads like Roaring Camp and the Sacramento State Museum. So always loved it. And I didn't, wasn't really sure if it was something I wanted to pursue going forward just because I, I didn't know. But so, you know, when I was still in high school, uh, in my senior year, my home railroad growing up was the Fillmore and Western, and I would always go there when I was a kid all the time. And, you know, they had a steam locomotive there that they would run, but I noticed it wasn't running for a while. And so I reached out to them through email. I was like, hey, you know, what's what's the deal with that? And they're like, oh, it's down for some work and whatnot. And I was able to contact them and, and say, hey, you know, like, let me know when you guys are working on it and I'd love to, to volunteer and help out and learn and so sure enough uh, as soon as they were ready they got me out there and then started working on the steam engine doing really simple things you know lap valves and just kind of get familiar with it and understand it and they saw the work ethic I had and the interest and sure enough after uh, I was graduated high school they asked me to work full-time for them for a few months which I did and things ended up being slow and I was able to move on to another career doing uh, machine work for an aerospace company in Glendale and did that for a few years but still kept very much in touch with steam and everything that was going on. I, I follow everything I can through Facebook and social media and uh, was able to get great opportunities from older people and learn how to fire and whatnot at Roaring Camp and what, uh, and what have you. And it got to the point where a friend of mine uh, had done some work here for Peter Knott in the Norgrove Railway and was like, hey, you know, they're looking for a full-time machinist. You should check it out. So I got invited up here and, and checked it all out. And it just worked out where it was a perfect opportunity for me to move from where I was. And I took the job and it's been five years now and it's been a wonderful time. So for someone who's thinking about getting involved with steam, and we talk about this a lot on the channel, I go up to Niles Canyon a lot, and one of the things they always talk about is we need volunteers. Yep. That's one example of one place where someone could volunteer to learn about this kind of machinery, and who knows where it will take you. And the thing I would say is, you know, everyone has the grand vision to pull in the throttle or, or firing, and you, you got you to gotta work your way and get there. You got to get familiar with it. Uh, but if you just stick with it and apply yourself, like, you know, people will pay attention to that, and they'll say, hey, you know, this kid really wants to learn, like, you know, he deserves to get a shot. And that's just how it happened. You just got to stay committed to it. And, and that's how I ended up where I am. Right. And the guys that are pulling the throttles at those places started the same way. It was just a while back. So exactly. it's, it's excellent. Thanks for talking about this. It's, Anytime. Uh, inspirational, I'm sure, for a lot of the younger viewers on the channel. No, it's all possible for anyone. Yeah. We're just wrapping up here at Norgrove. 
And I have to say, this was definitely the saving the best for last. Uh, I'm not saying that because anything else was bad, but this was just really unusual and special to see. Uh, not every day you get to see this kind of railroad equipment, and it's just a really cool place. The weather was great, and you can see everybody in the car smiling. Oh, he's not smiling. He's oh, tired. He is, he is smiling. Yeah. He's trying to find us dinner. Oh, right. <laughs> so we're signing off today, and uh, maybe I'll come back later when we get back home to San Jose with final thoughts, or maybe tomorrow when I uh, finally am recovered from the go, 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 go. I'll see you whenever I see you. All right, so it's a few days later. I just finished editing the podcast segment about the Central Coast Railroad Festival. And my biggest takeaways were it's a great event where you can see a lot of cool layouts, meet a lot of great people, and learn about local history. And I would highly encourage anyone who's interested in attending such events to seek them out because they're very worthwhile. And it just takes a little bit of effort to put yourself out there, and you'll be surprised what you find. Also, just a quick note of thanks to Paul and Dorothy for hosting us, and also to everyone who appeared on camera for the video we're working on. I'm not talking about the podcast segment that you just watched, but there's going to be a standalone video. I think I mentioned it at the very beginning of the podcast segment, where Paul is our host, and he takes us to the various places that we went. And what you just saw is just kind of a sampling of that. The more in-depth video will have a little bit more detail. And we actually did talk to, I think, all but one of the layout owners that we visited. And so it'll be a great video, and it'll be out sometime in the coming months. Uh, looking forward to editing that one and sharing it with you. I'm going to do something today. So... Our friends at the Fern Creek and Western Garden Railroad, that's that garden railroad you see on the channel a lot over in Santa Cruz, they've been working diligently to get the railroad ready for operations. They want to do op sessions in garden scale, which is really cool. We do that over at Ray Turner's place. So and they've done a lot of changes, I should mention, to the track plan there that will add operational interest. So I'm very excited about going to see what they have set up. And the objective today is to run a test op session. And when Trevor approached me, you know, with this idea, I made some suggestions and had him meet some friends. You may recall, we talked about that on a podcast a few months ago, where one day he went to meet Dave Adams. He already knew Dave, but wasn't in touch with him anymore for some reason. And also we went to Seth Newman's that day. These are some guys that I know that are very much into ops. I'm very much into ops. So Trevor asked for help finding people who are into ops to go do this test session. And it's just that it's a test session. The objective is not to go have an op session that's super great and fun for everybody. Although it probably will be because they're very thorough in their preparation the test session is anytime there's a new layout or a newly operating layout or new op session, we'll call it that, you want to run a test session with people who are experienced in ops who can provide feedback that will give you ideas on how to improve it. Or if it's already really good, you'll hear that feedback too. And your operators have to be brutally honest because you might hear stuff you don't even want to hear that things that you failed at. So that's what this session is today. And I'm, like I said, very excited about it because this is a layout that I've spent a lot of time. I know these guys really well and spent a lot of time operating there for, you know, helping during open houses. I call it operating, but it's not like an op session. It's just running trains around. And I've seen it go through a lot of changes since 2015, I think. So what is that? Seven or eight years now that they've been running that, you know, we, I've been making regular trips there. I'm really excited about that because operations is a lot of fun and there would be nothing better than to operate on a great layout like the Fern Creek and Western. 
So it's a huge, I think, step towards something really, really cool. And we're actually going to document it for a video on the channel. At least that's the plan. I'm going to be one of the operators, so I'm going to have one of them do the filming. Uh, but anyway, it's going to be exciting. If there's anything worth mentioning here on the podcast, I may come back with an update. Otherwise, I'll be back with, you know, how things went later on, like I usually do, kind of a follow-up. So off we go. So I was planning, I got here a little bit early, so I'm helping these guys set up right now. And I found out something that I didn't know I'm a little surprised by. Let me show you what's down here. So it appears as if I own one of the uh, locations on the layout here. These are the professional operators I invited. Well, some of the professional operators I invited to come give feedback. You guys look really qualified, like you know what you're doing there. We're staring at the map. Sort everything out. So but Seth has got a train sheet, so he knows what's happening. No, he has a train sheet. <laughs> This is the briefing before the actual start of the op session. And it's important because you have to know what's going on. No one has operated here before. All right, so I just finished my first job here. It was a local off of the uh, log branch, basically. And it was a fun job. And I wrote okay, down my... Feedback on the instruction paper so that when Trevor and Paul look at this later on, uh, they'll have some feedback of what they could do to make it a little easier for the operators, especially for operators that are here for the first time. If you know a layout or know the jobs on the layout, it really makes a big difference. If you don't know, then having really clear spelled out instructions can help a lot. All right, so I'm just back from Santa Cruz where we ran the test op session. And I have to say that I'm really excited. The uh, op session, I think, went really well. Now, I haven't been to a lot of first ever op sessions, so I can't say, oh, it was better than any other first op session I've been to. But I can say that I was expecting there to be more snags. And what they've done there, turning a railroad that I've watched evolve over the past eight or 10 years, whatever it's been, to turn into what it is now is pretty remarkable. And, you know, there were some minor issues here and there, but nothing that a few little tweaks won't fix. So, whereas one might expect a complete disaster for a first-time op session, I think the preparation and the thought that went into developing what they developed was sufficient to create something that I could say was fun the very first time. So good job, guys. Uh, I just want to mention that because I was, I'm ready for another one. That's how fun it was. So really proud of what, what you've done there. So on October 19th, we went live with our monthly Talking Trains live stream. And Michelle wasn't available this month. So I asked our guest, who originally was just going to be the guest, but he ended up being the guest co-host, uh, Chris Brimley, if he would hang out with me for an extra hour, and he did. So we talked about all kinds of great stuff. Chris had some wonderful photographs to share. He's been doing a lot of rail photography, and a lot of his photography is very artsy. He's very good with the camera. Chris also recently has become the president at ExactRail and TrainLife.com. So we talked a little bit about the model manufacturing process and things like that. We also got an update from Alvin Gilbert about the train viewing platform that he's working on getting installed in Salt Lake City. So that was great. And if you missed this show, you should definitely go back and check it out on the replay because it's full of a lot of great information and really great pictures. Hi, we're uh, doing something today, and uh, boy, I gotta say, we haven't done anything. We we were going to be down on the Central Coast this weekend doing a bunch of layout tours, but that kind of fell through for various reasons. So instead, we get to go to an op session at Ray Turner's Mystic Mountain with the recent retiree, this guy. <laughs> 
joy on his face. Look, does he look like he's retired or what? <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I don't recognize you, Murph. You don't have a wine in your... Well, better not have a wine in your hand. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think that that's not allowed yet. <laughs> you can't be that retired. <laughs> There's a lot of things to look forward to with operating sessions. You have great company, a lot of fun. Get to see friends you don't see all the time. Here's an added bonus for operating sessions at the Mystic Mountain. Look at that view. We have to set out though. Other side. The yellow 1991. We need to, oh, I forgot yeah. we were processing. One of the things that I've talked about when we were is having labels on the railroad. And I think the last time I, that we were here, I was showing you the way Ray has painted ties, specific ties on the railroad to tell you where the fouling points are for the switches. That's where your train would be in the way for another train going on the diverging route or the other route near a switch. This time I wanna tell you about labeling on the layout. If you look at our instructions, it tells us that we have scheduled work at a place called Union Junction. Well, where's Union Junction? Ray's done this right. He has a map that comes with every, with every instruction sheet or every clipboard. There's a map of the entire railroad that if you look at this, you can figure out where Union Junction is. But also, if you look down here, and I want you to look down here, you'll see that it's labeled right on the building. So even if you're confused by the map, you can see stuff like this that will tell you what things are. Also, another clue that you could use if that label isn't on the building is the instructions told us that we had to pick up a gray car off a team track here. Well, guess what? There was a gray car on a spur. Oh, and guess what he also did? Right there on the track. And not only is Union Junction team track labeled, but the positions are too. It's number two. And if you look over here, there's number one. And our instructions were to drop this car off right at team track number two. Ray did it right. He has labels. He has a map. He has labels. Everything's here to figure out what we need to do. So good job, Ray. And something else I was suggesting to our conductor here, because when I do the conductor work, I mark things off as we do them like this. So that's what our conductor's doing. Who's our conductor, you say? Oh, look. It's a top secret operator. That's not a secret anymore. So we're just wrapping up our first job here and you'll notice that there's a boxcar right behind the engine and in front of the caboose, it's the only other car in the train. And you'll also notice if you look carefully, there's a wire attached to it. That's because that boxcar is actually the battery car. Ray uses battery operated locomotives entirely on his layout. Our second job originates out of the yard that we terminated in originally, so we're using that same power for this second job. And we have a lot of fun operating here. Ran two trains on parts of the layout that we've never run on before. Well, 
You've never run on before. I've never run on before, so that was fun, getting to see a different area of the layout, L learning some lessons, turning the train on a Y, all that fun stuff. So Ray puts on a great operating session. Yeah. It's great, great for be beginners. I assume it's great for everybody else, too. I was a beginner when I came here first, and it was great, so I guess it's just great. <laughs> Hi, this is November 1st, Tuesday, so it's just a couple days ago, if you're watching this on Saturday, and I just wanted to come on real quick as I'm putting together the podcast this week. I noticed yesterday that something really cool happened. We went over 55,000 subscribers, so I wanted to come on real quick and thank everybody who subscribes and everybody who watches. 55,000 is a pretty big milestone. And, you know, of course, we're on our way to 60, so let's go. Also, I just want to mention real quickly that anybody, anywhere can share the content from this channel. When you're watching a video on a phone or a computer, there's a little link on there or a little button that lets you copy the link to the video. So if you wanted to share it onto your social media or share it with a friend through email or something like that, you can copy the link that way. There's also a little share button on every video and you can use that share button to share it directly to your Twitter feed. If you have Twitter or your Facebook page, if you have Facebook, if you're part of a group on Facebook or any of the social media outlets out there, you can also share directly to groups by using the link I just mentioned a minute ago, copying the link to the video. So if you see something, you know, for example, if there's a logging railroads or logging group on Facebook and you look at the logging video that I did with Jack Burgess, which is the single most popular video on the channel right now, you can copy that link and share it with your logging fan friends. So every time someone shares something like that, it helps. And it's also one less place that I have to try to find to share stuff because I do try to share the videos on social media where it's appropriate. And I don't know. I mean, I think it helps the numbers. So if all 55,000 subscribers of ours were sharing the videos with their friends on social media, it would really balloon. So just something to think about. And thank you all very much for helping us reach 55,000 subscribers. It's really cool. So that brings us to our catch of the month. These first couple shots come from Benjamin Harp. Southern Pacific 2472 in Shellville, California had an open house. This happened back in September. And while Ben was there, he took some pictures of not only the locomotive, but also of himself as the engineer. Very cool, Ben. I'm glad you got to go. This next set of pictures comes from Dennis Loudon. The first one is from Casota Street Crossing. This is a Minnesota commercial train coming back from the pole yard to its own yard. And Minnesota commercial lead engine 1983 is an XCR B23-7. This next photo is Northern Plains Rail Services. The engine is an ex-Canadian National GP9RM. And finally, this is the Dakota Missouri Valley Western. The locomotive is an ex-Wisconsin Central SD45. If you have catches of the month that you'd like to share, you can send them to podcast at tsgmultimedia.com. Be sure you own the photos and include all the what's, when's, and where's of the shots you send in. And now for this month's program schedule. On November 9th, next Wednesday, we have a video about the Colorado Railroad Museum. Then on the 11th, we have a product spotlight. On November 12th, we have an HO scale layout tour. On November 15th, that's my birthday, so send me lots of money and presents. Then on the 16th, at 4 p.m. Pacific, we have TSG Live Talking Trains. On the 18th, it's N scale Friday. On the 19th, Chasing Trains at the Western Railway Museum and the YV. On November 23rd, we have Vintage Key System Films. Then on the 25th, it's another product spotlight. 
On November 26th, we have a video about the West Side Reunion. And then on the 30th, we have Vintage Southern Pacific Films. So that's all we have time for this month. It was supposed to be kind of a relaxed month last month, but as you can see from the length of this podcast, it turned out to be a lot busier than I expected. Something I want to mention before I go is the South Bay Historical Railroad Society, the SBHRS, is having their open house this weekend, so today and tomorrow. If you can go today, it's between 10 and 5, and if you can go tomorrow, it's between 10 and 4. It's one of the best railroad events in the South Bay, and you're invited to come down and check out what the SBHRS has to offer. Something else I want to mention before I go is your invitation to the TSG train crew on Patreon. This is something I talk about every month, and it's because it really helps us a lot. Helping keep the lights on here will help us produce more of the content that you enjoy. So head over to patreon.com slash TSG Multimedia and check out what it's all about. That's it. I'll see you next time.